Before sunrise, Burn Dairy and Deli is preparing to fuel your day with hot coffee, donuts, muffins, breakfast sandwiches, and other morning staples. For lunch, grab a giant deli sandwich made the way you like it. Pizza, wings, wraps, or a fresh salad. Plus, something to wash it down. Then pick up dinner or a sweet treat and other pantry essentials. Now you can get your Burn Dairy and Deli favorites delivered with DoorDash. All day, every day, you can count on Burn Dairy and Deli. It's all good. Hi, this is Bob Costas, and you're listening to the ML Sports Platter. We're back, and it's the ML Sports Platter all over the top-line platforms, all over the podcast universe, wherever you get them. Download, subscribe, leave feedback, and a five-star review. If you are an Apple phone, Apple podcast person, Listen, it's really simple. Go find that purple podcast button. Just search it in the apps. And then once you get to the purple podcast button, go to the search button, type in ML Sports Platter, hit follow, show, or subscribe, whatever your phone allows you to do, and you'll get new and archived episodes of this program with the likes of great guests, including Armin Katayan, uh, Eric Wood, Baseball Hall of Famers, Bob Costas, and many others. So uh, definitely do that. As we move along here in those five-star reviews and the feedback helps an awful lot as well. We are brought to you by Liverpool Physical Therapy, Barks and Rec Doggy Daycare, Ken's Auto Detailing, and our good friends at Rosie's Corner. If you're in and around Central New York, get on over to Rosie's Corner. Pizza, wings, pasta, hot and co- uh, cold subs and more. And they've got all that comfort food for you um, during the week as well, including Meatloaf Monday, Turkey Slop Tuesday, Chicken and Biscuit Wednesday, and mac and cheese and fish both on Thursday and Friday. And you can order from DoorDash, from Grubhub, and from the Slice app as well. Rosie's Corner is a proud ML Sports Platter sponsor. Let's get into, and I know that a lot of Bills fans don't want to get into it now. It's too soon. You're not over the loss to Kansas City. Look, I'm, I'm as diehard Buffalo Bills as it gets. I'm not over it. I'll never be over it. But I have a job to do, and it's continuing to host and continuing to break things down and continuing to you know, cover this team and the NFL and all the other NCAA and all these other different um, you know, entities. And I think that you know, it's kind of time to look here a couple days after um, and just kind of figure out um, what the Bills you know, kind of need to do um, I, I, I think that it's obviously one of those things where, um, it, it hurts so much and, and they were so close and it was so wide open and it was just 13 seconds and to blow the kickoff with a decision was one thing, but the worst part was obviously 13 seconds, not being able to get a stop. And people are so upset about the overtime rule guys. Don't let it get to overtime, you know? Don't let it get to overtime. And by the way, I think Tony Kornheiser said it best on PTI uh, before I get to where I think the Bills should go from here. Um, You know, he said, look, the percentages still show you that you can stop people if you're on defense and you lose the toss. There's an 11-man thing on one side, an 11-man group on the other, like you have enough players, you have the ability and the skill set to go out and stop the other team and give the ball to your offense. This is not like college basketball, where 
possession. Oh, they just scored. Damn, uh, uh, it's two nothing. Um, they just scored. It's twenty four to fourteen. They just went on a ten zero run. You get the ball back every time. You know, you're getting possessions back and forth. Right? There's a shot clock. There's there's elements to that game and to others that, you know, pr- provide you opportunity to repeatedly get things done. And, and in the NFL, um, you know, it, it's not necessarily uh, the case um, where, you know, you, you, you have an abundance of riches in overtime. I understand that the rule is not that great, but you, you have, you know, it's harder. That's what I'm getting at. But I, I think Kornheiser described it and, and, was, and was spot on. You know, I heard him in his podcast. I heard him in PTI show yesterday. I think both can apply. I think, I think, you know, go out and stop somebody, which they didn't do in the last 13 seconds. They gave too much yardage all game long, all game long, too much yardage. And they did it again in the last 13 seconds, and it cost them because all it was was sling, sling. And look, Travis Kelsey, Tyree Kill, Patrick Mahomes, they're all going to the Hall of Fame. They're all going to the Hall of Fame. Okay, I think Kelsey could retire today as Hall of Famer. Mahomes, Mahomes is 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 an elite, unbelievable, generational type player, and Tyree Kill is building that Hall of Fame career. But if he stays healthy, and frankly, if they all stay healthy, and uh, Kelsey again, I think could retire and right now and be and be in there. But um, they're all going to end up in Canton. Why do you help them? You know, why do you give them more help? They don't need it. But both can apply. Both can apply. I thought Tony was spot on. Both can apply. Go out and stop somebody. And also in his podcast with the whole, you know, the NFL coming down to the final seconds with the kicks and the Chiefs and Bills game and all this sort of thing. Like, it's definitely harder in the NFL for sure. And, you know, you don't have the shot clock to automatically give you back a possession. Uh, all those different things do apply, but I don't think that all those things cancel out that you have an opportunity to defend and and get the ball back. I don't love the overtime rule, but don't let it get to that. That's it. Let's start with you know this Buffalo Bills team and this roster um, as far as you know what what we should see and 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 hope for next year. Um, obviously, again, it's going to be unbelievable, unbelievably difficult to get back. Uh, the Bills fell short of even where they were last year. Um, he- here's what I would kind of do with the roster. And by the way, the schedule is obviously very daunting. You know, I mean, you just know what's going on. You got to deal with New England twice. You got to deal with at Kansas City again, uh, which will be fun, right? I mean, there's another freaking frustrating game. I don't want to hear people atting me. Oh, well, they beat them in the regular season. Well, well, good for the regular season. Okay, how about 13 seconds? And oh, by the way, not only that, but, you know, this freaking, uh, you know, this freaking regular season uh, stuff, even in that game, it'll just be constant reminders of losing in the divisional round. They're going to keep bringing it up, keep showing the highlights, keep, you know, you know how it goes with the coverage. They're just doing their job, but that's how it goes. So here are a few things. I'm just going to kind of go in in some different directions with this. Here are the Buffalo Bills free agents 
going into the offseason, right? I mean, we're at the offseason, but you get the point. Jerry Hughes, Mario Addison, Vernon Butler, Emmanuel Sanders, who was on a one-year deal for $6 million, Ike Bucker, Levi Wallace, Taiwan Jones, F.A. Obata, Isaiah McKenzie, Matt Breida, Harrison Phillips, Justin Zimmer, Saran Neal, Ryan Bates, and Tyrell Dodson. And, <clears throat> you know, who would I bring back? I'd probably bring back, without even thinking about it, I would bring back Ryan Bates. I would bring back Saran Neal because I just like him there. I like his depth. I like the special teams, his ability to fill in uh, at the nickel corner. I would probably bring him back if you can get him at a minimum uh, price. I'd bring back Justin Zimmer. I'd bring back Harrison Phillips. I'd bring back Isaiah McKenzie. Absolutely. I think he's probably the number one guy I would bring back on this list. Um, and then I'd probably bring back Levi Wallace. I mean, Mitch Trubisky is going to want to crack at starting again. But if he can't get a gig, maybe you can get him back at a reasonable price. you got to have a backup quarterback at some point, uh, you know, in case, you know, again, in case number 17 goes down. Um you know, I'd probably entertain that if you can get him back, again, at a reasonable price. Um, and then I think that's probably it. Um, the thing is, is that Jerry Hughes and Mario Addison, well, Jerry Hughes has been a really, really great bill for his entire career. And you know what? He might want to come back at a league minimum and go, dude, I got unfinished business here still. I'm pissed about this year. I'm pissed about last year. Like, this team's right there. This team's really good. I want to go for it again. We got to get home field advantage, and I want to be a part of it. If you want me a part of it as a rotational player, if you, you're going to give more reps to Boogie Basham or to Gregory Russo, I'm totally down with that. I want to be a part of this to try and get over the hump. If he wants to do that, it's going to be hard to say no because he's such a long-tenured bill. Mario Addison, he kind of came on at the end of the year, but he's not worth the money, and he can't finish tackles. I'm sorry. Like, he just can't finish. And a lot of his success, by the way, if you go back and watch the tape, a lot of his success was, you know, off of plays, <clears throat> you know, that Ed Oliver blew up. And so Addison, I would not bring back for that reason. Vernon Butler probably is just not an import, as important as a rotational piece there. Emmanuel Sanders, again, they brought him in. He had splash moments, but I don't think he was consistent enough of a deep threat. They brought him in to be a consistent deep threat. He did kill the Chiefs in week five. He had a few moments later on in the season. He battled a couple little different things, knick-knack injury-wise, but I, I probably would move off of him because Gabe Davis is now your superstar number two. I mean, Gabe Davis is a budding superstar. We saw that in Chiefs game. We saw it last year. He was a breakout player as a rookie. Um, so you've got that situation going on. Ike Butker, he's kind of an offensive line depth piece, but I think I feel like you can pick that up somewhere in free agency or offensive line, no disrespect to him. Uh, Taiwan Jones doesn't really do a ton for me. Uh, I Again, Levi Wallace, I, I said I'd bring him back. The reason is very simple, is because I think he really did a decent job this year when Trey White went out. Now, he had an awful game against the Chiefs in the playoffs. He's gotten burned in other spots, but he's not a number one corner. He's like a number two or a three even, um, or or even like a rotational piece. And so... Uh, but again, if you can get him at the right price, I would I would get him back. If you can't, then then let him walk. Um, and the Bills have to go, I think, heavy in the draft uh, after secondary people, corners, and maybe even you know another safety because the Poyer Hyde thing. I mean, that thing is not going to last forever. Um, right now, they're the best safety tandem in the NFL. But how how much can you ask them to do? How long can you ask them to do it? 
Um, you know, you got to go probably one more piece of the O-line. You probably got to go out and get another wide receiver in the draft. Um, so the Bills have a lot of work to do, uh, as always, as every NFL team does, no matter what your position is, uh, whether you're defending a title, trying to get back to the Super Bowl, trying to make the playoffs, trying to win another division, uh, you know, trying to build and fill in some pieces here to make a deep run like Buffalo. Um, F.A. Obata, again, eh, rotational piece, probably would like to turn it over to the youngsters, right? Uh, the Bills, you know, with Boogie Basham and with Ed Oliver and with Gregory Russo, uh, those are three really, 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 really young players with huge ceilings. And I don't think F.A. Obata fits into that group. I just don't. I don't think he's been consistent enough. I think he did provide a plug-and-play for this team, which is kind of the idea they had when they brought him in. You know, the Bills spent all offseason and a huge chunk of the draft in fixing the defensive line to prepare for Kansas City, and they didn't beat Kansas City again. You know, and I know a lot of people think that the Bills were getting pressure on Mahomes early in the game. I would probably agree with you to a certain extent, but the other part of that is that while they got into the backfield and while they got close to Mahomes, they actually overcompensated the pocket, and so therefore... Mahomes could just step up, and once he steps up and has an extra couple seconds, he's unstoppable. You know, he's even more unstoppable, I should say. He's unstoppable to begin with, and then he's even more unstoppable. Matt Breida, no need. You've got Singletary as your number one, and you still have, you know, Moss there. Uh, McKenzie is such a huge part of the offense. I just think, you know, with the, the slot situation uh, and, and, and kick and punt returning, I'm not giving up on him there. Um, and also, he's just so effective when they do the tricky Bills jet sweep type of a thing. Just really, really, really effective. Really keeping defense on, on you know, keeping defenses on their heels. Um, I, I'd love McKenzie back. I think he's going to ask for a huge price, but I don't even know if he wants to come back, honestly. I mean, the way McDermott treated him in terms of benching him, just one fumble, one mistake against the Colts, and he got benched. Um, reps were super inconsistent. The Bills figured out that McKenzie was a huge spark plug late in the year, way too late. I mean, he should have been in there the entire season that way. Um, so maybe he doesn't want to come back to Buffalo. You know, maybe he wants a fresh start. Um, Harrison Phillips, absolutely. I mean, he, he, he was a D-line staple this year. Uh, tough as nails, great against the run, uh, sufficient against the pass. Justin Zimmer, nice player, nice rotational piece, nice special teams guy. Uh, Ryan Bates had an unbelievable year for the Bills. Um, and, you know, I know last year when the Bills, you know, went to bring uh, back everybody, like, hey, let's run it back, right? Like, bring back the band. Let's, you know, everybody come back if we can get people. Milano, Feliciano, right? Darrell Williams had a career year last year. Bring him back. And then, you know, as the Bills were struggling this year and it looked like maybe they would miss the postseason, uh, you know, the Buffalo Bills, um, the offensive line really shored up and it was probably – in my opinion, the most impressive unit considering where they were in the beginning of the year between inefficient play and injury. And they formed that offensive line, Feliciano. It was it was mostly without him. And then he became, you know, available and all the rest, but the Bills were adamant in, in sticking with Ryan Bates. Um, Feliciano, at times, you didn't know if he was going to be healthy enough to even get in there or get enough reps during the week. Bates became that guy. And he was huge for the Buffalo Bills this year. I mean, you had Deion Dawkins and Bates on that left side, Mitch Morse in the center, who was the absolute staple from start to finish this season in terms of his consistency and productivity. Deion Dawkins not far behind. Then you had Darrell Williams uh, at right guard and then right tackle Spencer Brown. When the line is like that and, and they're that good, 
you know, you saw what happened. They were great against the Chiefs. They didn't allow a sack for, you know, the last few games, four games, of the, uh, uh, I think, before that. I Did, did the Chiefs sack the Bills uh, in the playoff game? Uh, I, I thought that they had one um, in that game, I could, or, or two. I could, I could be wrong. I'm going to try to look that up. But, um, you know, it, it, it's just the offensive line right now, I, I think you really, 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 really got to, um, you know, keep that group together. You know, I don't know. I don't know what's what's next for Feliciano. I really don't. Um, but you got to you got to get Bates back there because I think there's some real cohesion. And I think Allen loves all those guys, right? Like he loves them. Yeah, they had two sacks in that game. Uh, Reed had one, and Melvin. Oh yeah, duh. Melvin Ingram the third had that one. I think it was early. So um, they had a couple sacks in the game. Casey did. But uh, before that, it was four straight games where the Bills, you know, they didn't allow a sack, right? And so that's what I would probably do from a free agent standpoint. Again, the Bills are um, in, 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 I don't know, a kind of a weird, weird spot, right? Like, they don't have tons, you know, to blow, but... Um, they do have some wiggle room. And I think that the NFL, you know, I, I think that one of the, uh, one of the big things in the NFL that's actually overrated is the salary cap. And I say that because you can just release people at any time and create more money. Now, granted that money might be spent on other people who end up not being as good a, a fit as uh, the other person, right? That can happen. But if you're looking at just, oh, well, we need to give $8 million more to this person or $8 million more to that person, a quarterback, a DN, what, you, you, you got to, you know, you got to kind of figure it out, right? And that's, again, that's part of the chess match that is the NFL and the salary cap. Um, the Bills, let's check this out. I'm on the salary cap tracker for 2022 um as far as cap space goes man alive look at the money that the dolphins and the chargers and the jags and the jets and bengals they wow it we're talking 67,000 67 million 62 million 61 58 45 holy cow um when you get down to it the bills um Again, with free agents and stuff coming off the books and all the rest, you're going to have a situation where uh, the Bills, you've got a hard total of 209000 uh, in change, just like uh, a few other teams. Actually, Tennessee and the Bills are very close. $209 million, 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 keep saying million, $209,094,267 and cap space of $1,451,287. That ain't going to buy you a ton in the NFL, but, but with the free agents and all the rest coming off the books, if you leave half that list off or a little more than half and you bring back McKenzie and Wallace and you got to pay him another million or two a year, that's where that money can come in. So the bills don't have a great cap outlook, but Buffalo has also become a destination in the NFL where people want to play. There's a respect factor there. McDermott Bean, what they've built, um, you know, all those different things that we talk about. And so you have to you have to kind of look at it and say, okay, 
what direction do we want to go here with how much money that we could create with guys we, we might just not need anymore? Uh, one of those guys, one of those guys is Cole Beasley, right? Like I wonder, um, I wonder what Cole Beasley is, is going to um, garner in the trade market if the Bills were going to try to shop him. He is under team control. Uh, he becomes a UFA in 2023. Has one more year on the deal at $4.9 million. Now, if the Bills release him, I think he'd be a hot commodity because I think some team could really use him in the slot. In fact, New England would probably jump on that. I think New England's going to make a run at Isaiah McKenzie, too, because Bill Belichick loves slot guys, number one. And number two, he'd love to steal a player away from the Bills who's pissed at the head coach still, um, you know, and, and treat him right and, and give him, uh, you know, the ball a heck of a lot more than he got it in Buffalo. Um, you know, I, I don't know why the Bills, it took him so long to, to figure that out. I mean, that was a total brain fart uh, by Buffalo. Um, but Cole Beasley, you know, again, hurt a lot of Corona drama this year. Um, you know, inconsistent play did help him in some spots when you need that security blanket and all the rest. Beasley does have great hands. He runs awesome routes. He's a veteran. But if, if it comes down to, in my opinion, if it comes down to signing Isaiah McKenzie and freeing up $5 million to go get another defensive end, and by the way, I'm not talking about just any defensive end, okay? I don't need another rotational piece. The Bills have all those right now. As we wait to see what Epinesa will become, Basham will become, Russo will become. I think Ed Oliver is close to a point where we know what he will become. I'm here to tell you, the Bills need a go-get-after-it type of guy. Now, look, <clears throat> I know that the Bengals are in the AFC Championship game. They don't have a superstar up front. Look at the other teams. Look at all the other teams. Kansas City, they went out and traded for Melvin Ingram, right? Look at where they are. Look at the 49ers, man. Look at that defense up front and in the middle with Nick Bosa, Eric Armstead, Fred Warner creating havoc all over the place. Look at the LA Rams. They went out and made a splash move, traded for Von Miller. You got him. You got Aaron Donald. You got Leonard Floyd. There are beasts up front. The Bills are still chasing the Chiefs. The Bills spent the entire offseason and the draft and all that to get help on the D-line so that they could take care of the Kansas City Chiefs. And they did not take care of the Kansas City Chiefs. They need to go get a major, major, major defensive end who's going to take tons of reps Again, if you don't bring Hughes back, you're not going to bring Addison back. You can put Ad Oliver on an end. Uh, I mean, you could still have him as a three technique in the middle and all the rest, but you could move him around a lot more and put him, just have bookend defensive ends and go out and get a monster pass rusher. You know, and I saw Nate Geary's tweet from WGR, and I couldn't agree with him more about maybe one of the missing pieces, right, for the Buffalo Bills defense, and that would be the linebacker in Josh Allen. Now, you might be thinking you're saying he dominated the Bills, right? I mean, he, had a, he, was, he was a freak in that game. Uh, still the game that bothers me the most for the year because if they had 
won that game. They would have hosted the Kansas City Chiefs. I think the Bills beat the Chiefs in Orchard Park, and then they'd be hosting this week as well. Although, they went to Kansas City and had it but 13 seconds, right? I mean, my God. I'm sorry. I'm just never going to get over it. Um, it's And by the way, that's the worst loss as a Bills fan for me in my lifetime after the Super Bowls. Once you get through those four, nothing, nothing will ever be tougher than the Scott Norwood kick. No possible way. Unless they're up 28-3 like the Falcons in the Super Bowl and they blow it. But it's those four losses. It's probably the, the first Super Bowl and then probably the third Super Bowl and then the second and then the fourth. Because I think the fourth, again, they, they you know, there were moments early that you kind of felt, oh, maybe, you know, but then they just got overpowered by the Cowboys. Kelly goes down the shoulder, all that stuff. Um, the Washington Super Bowl, I thought they went in kind of a little overmatched um, for as good as they were. Super Bowl the third straight one against Dallas, I thought they had a real, real shot uh, in that one and did not finish. Um, had some awful turnovers, and then, and then the last one was just a, they're just not going to do this. Um, I don't think that Jacksonville would do this, but Nate Geary even suggested, like, go, go do everything you can to get him. Josh Allen with the Jacksonville Jaguars, his position says linebacker. But if you watch the Jaguars, and if you watch what he did against the Bills, he kind of can line up and be like that Micah Parsons. And he's been in the league now for three years already uh, out of Kentucky. He was a seventh, he was a round one, seventh overall. Here's the thing. You can line him up a lot at defensive end. He can play some hybrid for you. He can play a little bit back in, a, in some linebacker and run after the tight end. You know, he can spy but he can be an edge hybrid run uh, 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 defender and really wreak some havoc. The Bills need to get a guy like this. They have got to have a guy like this who's going to take tons of reps. We're talking about a guy who had 46 solo tackles this year, seven and a half sacks, uh, forced fumbles, uh, interception, you know, one of each. I mean, this guy, he's all over the field, man. I mean, and, and, and a lot of the pressure and a lot of the havoc he creates – other guys are opening up after that, right? It's kind of like the Rams. If you stop Donald and Miller, well, here comes Floyd. Or maybe you contain three those three guys in, on a couple of downs, and then that next down, somebody comes through the middle because you're just you, you're trying so hard to stop them. Um, there's still an opening for someone else. I, I got to tell you, I mean, if the Bills, again, I don't think the Jaguars would trade him, but the Bills need to go get a guy like that for their for their defense, and they also need cornerback help as well. Um, you know, there there aren't a lot of, I mean, just looking at, you know, the, the draft, it, it's it's defensive line, you know, uh, actually it's a, it's a huge, well, there's a couple of edge rushers, but the Bills, they're, you know, they're going to go 1-2 probably or 2-3 or, or, three or, or 3-4 at the, at the very, you know, at the very least, they'll go 3-4. Um, I can't see them dropping even below 3. Um, it's a weak quarterback draft. Uh, Kayvon Thibodeau out of Oregon and Aiden Hutchinson are the two big stars at edge rusher. Um, you do have David uh, Ahabo uh, from Michigan. But he'll probably be a top 10 guy. Um, you know, the Bills, I mean, Tavon Walker at Georgia, but he's a defensive lineman. 
You do have an edge guy in George Karlaftis from Purdue. I don't know a lot about him. Uh, people have raved about him. Other defensive linemen like Logan Hall, Jordan Davis from the Championship Georgia team, they've, they've got a slew of defenders who are NFL ready. Um, you know, the Bills have the 25th pick in the draft, you know, first round. Do you, do you, do you take that pick and do you take another pick and do you shoot up to like seven to ensure that you can get one of the preeminent edge rushers coming out in this draft? Do you do that? Or do you not do that? Sit back, try to find somebody in free agency, try to find somebody in a monster trade. Hell, or do you take 25 and two other picks and hey, the Jaguars have got what? They're one of the top two, three teams in terms of how much cap room they have. Uh, they have Trevor Lawrence. They need weapons on both sides of the ball. They're going to get Travis Etienne back. Uh, I expect the Jaguars to be better, especially without Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer's a scumbag. Um, Maybe maybe you go maybe you go for for Josh Allen with the Jaguars. Again, I don't think they're going to do it. He's a cornerstone defensive player. But if you gave him three, four picks, maybe you give him three picks from this draft and two conditionals or whatever, or you know, two two next year or whatever. I mean, who? What do the draft picks matter? You know, if you can get a guy like that when your window is right freaking now, your window was right now and you blew it at Kansas City. Now you got to still fix it. Daxon Hill from Michigan. I mean, look, if you don't trade up, you don't trade down, you don't do any of that, you, you got to have a corner somewhere. I don't know if that's Trent McDuffie out of Washington or if it's Daxon Hill uh, from Michigan. Um, you know, maybe it's a Roger McCreary from Auburn who's a pretty good cover corner. I think last year's cover corners were way better than this year's. I mean, you have Patrick Sertan last year. You had Eric Stokes. I would have loved the Bills to have gotten, um, you know, somebody like that. Derek Stingley Jr. is a great, great player who I would love the Bills to get out of LSU, but he's probably going to be a top 10 or 12 pick. A lot of people have him going to the Jets. Um, so that's where I'm at with the Bills offseason. You know, I, I told you I'd bring back, um, you know, I, I'd think about moving on from Cole Beasley if you can use that five four point nine million into, um, you know, shoring up the defensive line. And we'll see what happens, but uh, obviously a devastating finish to the season for the Buffalo Bills, and they're going to continue to try and chase the Kansas City Chiefs. Mike Lindsley with you here. It's the ML Sports Platter brought to you by our great friends at Burn Dairy. My goodness, that place is incredible. Get in there, try the donuts, grab all the hot and cold foods, chocolate milk to die for, all the coffee choices you could ever imagine. It's a one-stop shop for your gas and groceries. Great ice cream as well. Legendary ice cream at Burn Dairy all over the central New York region. Make sure you stop by at your local Burn Dairy. Tip of the cap, thank you as well to Burton Ace Hardware and Welch & Company Jewelers. Log on to welchjewelers.com today. Shop the showcase at Welch & Company Jewelers. That's welchjewelers.com. Welch & Company Jewelers is the official jewelry store of the ML Sports Platter. And I do want to send out a tip of the cap thank you to the Swan and Whitaker families as well as the Vince Aguirre Consulting Group and Elevate Fitness of Syracuse for their support of the program. Hit me on Twitter, at Mike L Sports. As I always tell you, enjoy the games.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.